Just a warning, this next interview has stuff for grown-ups that's not quite appropriate for little ears. Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts, or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. All right, thank you, and on with the show. You might know Kathy Lett from her very first book, Puberty Blues, that she wrote at age 17. Can you believe it? And it was then, of course, made into a series much later by Channel 10. Now Kathy's back in Australia talking about the sequel to Puberty Blues, which was originally published as Girls' Night Out. It is now called After the Blues, and it follows the lives of the two girls we met in Puberty Blues as they grow up and go to the city. Now, Kathy did write this book a while ago, but has been watching the world and thinking, this is really relevant right now. Kathy, welcome back to Kindling Conversation. Oh, my favourite interview. I love coming here. <laughs> so tell us, I mean, you you uh, travel a lot between Australia and London. I uh, straddle, darling. It's my favourite straddle. Position. Yeah. <laughs> you straddle both continents. This, this is really, though, a very quintessentially Australian story, isn't it? It is. Well, the reason I've reissued it and I've, I've, I've rejuged it and put more in about Debbie and Gary and Sue and the gang and what happened is that when the TV series came out a couple of years ago, I thought the main demographic would be women my age, you know, watching it almost like a home movie saying, I remember what we got up to, like a nostalgic trip, or maybe our mothers and fathers thinking, oh my God, that's what they were doing. <laughs> cutting That's why the garden hoses were getting shorter because they were cutting them off with their bongs or whatever. <laughs> but actually the biggest, um, the, the, the main viewers for the TV show were teenagers and they, teenage girls, and they write to me all the time on Twitter and Facebook saying, what happened next? What happened next? So I thought, well, I might as well, you know, re- reissue this book, but update it a bit um, and explain about the, the sexism that the girls still in endured once they got away from the sand dunes. It didn't get any better in the city. Mm. They thought they were going to broaden their heterosexual horizons. But of course, men at the time, they were all for free love because they didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> you know, they were laughing all the way to the sperm bank. <laughs> and we girls in the early 80s, we thought promiscuity was feminism. We sort of misunderstood the idea of being liberated. Mm. So it was a very confusing time to be a young woman, but also very, very funny and so politically incorrect. Uh, so I've kept all that very risque language <laughs> and the racism and everything else that was so prevalent. I've kept that absolutely authentic in the book. Um, but also the other thing I was going to say what will be interesting for young women reading it now is to understand the great strides feminism has made. Because back in the in the late 70s and the 80s, there was no such thing as sexual harassment. Women just had to strap on a bulletproof bra and <laughs> deal with these Neanderthal men. Do you think, I mean, your books are interweaved with your experiences in life and they're not necessarily... Exactly. Well, they you, are fiction. They yeah. are fiction. Um, That's what I tell my mother anyway. <laughs> yeah, you say that. Um, but with um, when you say you know you you had that quick response and you weren't exactly green, is that transition from the Shire to the city something that the girls in 
after the Blues also, you know, did that give them a toughness when they went into that environment? Because my fear is, as a parent, yeah, I feel like... It's taken me to my 40s to develop a sense of confidence and toughness mm. when something inappropriate happens. There's always mm. this sense of feeling awkward for that person who's doing the inappropriate thing or embarrassment or I'm, I just have to, oh, this is a bit awkward. I'm just going to shuffle away rather than a nice, quick, as you say, tongue lashing like what you mm. were able to do. Is that sort of, do you think you developed that and the girls in the book developed that from their experiences in the Shire as girls? Well, definitely. I mean, the, it, the men were so sexist that we girls had to sort of stick together and develop a great camaraderie to survive. So first of all, it taught me that what I always say, that women are each other's human wonder bras, you know, uplifting, <laughs> uplifting, supportive and making each other look bigger and better. And even at the end of Puberty Blues, when the girls get dumped because they go surfing for the first time, because we just had to sit on the beach, you know, fetch the Chico roll, mind the towel, <laughs> massage the ego oh in these gosh. teeny weeny bikinis and you'd spend all day glancing down, you know, in, in case... <laughs> There was a stray hair. Look, it gave having it gave bad hair day a whole new meaning, right? <laughs> so when the girls surfed at the end of that book, um, and in the movie, of course, they recap they captured that. They were immediately dumped, um, but they still stuck together and they had each other. And I think that's what I learned from the Shire days, from the Surfy Girls days, how important your female friendships are, and also to not be intimidated by men and to, to not let them have that power over you. Because women are brought up to be so polite. You know, we're brought up to be decorative and demure. And every time, all the research shows, if a man and woman start talking at the same time, the woman always pulls back. We're too nice. <laughs> you know, I think we need to learn to be just to be a little bit more strident. And as you were saying about ageing, the, the only time that really comes true for women is when you hit the menopause, which I'm going through now. I'm having my own weather. <laughs> but but when um, what happens in the menopause, of course, is that your estrogen drops and your testosterone comes up. So you get a little bit more bolshy, a little bit more strident, a little bit more selfish, a little bit more like a bloke, actually. Oh, that sounds awesome. It's, and it's fantastically liberating. And I, I hadn't heard that upside of menopause. Thank oh, you for giving that to there's me. There's a total upside for menopause. I am a champion of menopause. We can do a whole show on that. Don't be frightened of it. But I just when I do talks in schools to young people, women I, and girls always say to them, first of all, never go out without a couple of fabulous one-liners tucked up your trouser leg that you can fire out at a bloke who's who's trying to demean you or bully you. But also um, be bold, be brave, say what you're thinking. Don't, don't want to be liked all the time. You know, why do you want to be liked by people just be, for no particular reason? And I think my autistic son's taught me that too. He says whatever he's thinking. He always says to me... Um, well, you know, you people think we're weird the way we won't make eye contact and small talk, but we think you're weird. You know, the, night, the way you spend all night talking to people you don't, being nice to people you don't even like. And I thought, it's right. <laughs> we should just be more honest. Yeah. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking Kathy Lett, who's an author and comedian. She's in Australia at the moment um, talking about After the Blues, which is the sequel to Puberty Blues. It was originally published as Girls' Night Out, but Kathy's given it a bit of a bit of a tweak. Yeah, for, a bit of a re- Rejouge, because she looked around and she saw that there was a there's a real resonance in that book now for what's happening with the Me Too campaign. Mm -hmm. And um, can you please tell me the rather um, interesting situation that Girls Night Out was optioned 
by Harvey Weinstein. It was, it was. And I met him when I was about 30. He optioned when I was about 31 or so. I met, met him around that time. And he wanted me to um, adapt it for the screen. And, uh, of course, he was a bully, but he didn't try anything sexual with me because I was way too old for him. Yeah, right. You know, sexual predators prey on the vulnerable. You know, they prey on young and experienced women. If he'd tried that on me, I would have used his testicles as maracas. <laughs> I'd be still wearing them as earrings, you know. <laughs> and But the weird thing about Harvey Weinstein is this great dichotomy between his creative um, sensibilities and his personal behaviour because he's always championed very interesting projects and he can't say he doesn't understand sexual harassment because Girls Night Out is full of of macho, misogynistic men strutting their stuff and trying to... um, put women down and he loved that about the book that the women fought back so he can't say he didn't understand it. He knew that women were fighting back and and so to, I mean not to spoil the uh, the book because people want to read it but is that for you the saving grace in that experience of um, the girls going to the city and finding this misogyny didn't you know, wasn't didn't get left behind no, in the, the shire. In the yeah, shire, exactly. Is that the saving grace for you of the book that the girls had the spirit and the spunk, I guess, to fight back, as you say, mm. verbally and to stick together yeah. and definitely. And the last, the last story, the last chapter of the book is the girls' night out, where they all go out. And in the beginning, they're all pretending their lives are fine and they're all in love and everything's great. But of course, you know, after a few drinks, they're all sobbing and crying and telling <laughs> each other the truth. But they find great camaraderie and comedic comfort from their friendship, where they realise they don't actually need a man to be happy. And that's, I suppose, my philosophy in life. I always say that to young women too. You know, don't wait to be rescued by some knight in shining Armani. Stand on your own two stilettos and, you know, and love will come. But don't be a slave to the idea of love. I just saw Muriel, Muriel's Wedding the other night, which I, it, the musical's fabulous. My friend Gina Riley's daughter's starring in it, Maggie. You know, I remembered that obsession when we were in our early 20s that we had to be married. You know, we had to find our alter ego and we weren't complete as females unless we had, we'd walked down the aisle in a great big white blancmange dress and had only <laughs> drunk, you know, one cup of skimmed air for four weeks to get into it and everything. And I thought, what is wrong with us? Because all the, the new statistics, um, well, they're not that new actually, but we now know that marriage suits men much more than women. You know, you know all this. Married men live longer than single men, have less heart disease and mental problems, whereas single women live longer than married women, have less heart disease and mental problems. And and the marriage statistics are very low in the West now. They're kind of lower than Kim Kardashian's bikini line. <laughs> and I think it's women who are getting PMT, pre-monogamy tension. <laughs> because the hideous habit ratio is about 101 in the man's favour. You know, the way the men pee on the porcelain and the way they... <laughs> The way they play air guitar and they fiddle with the fridge thermostat for fun. You know, the way the way they think sitting on the toilet's a leisure activity. What is that about? Um, in the way, the way they'd rather die than ask directions. You know, all that sort of stuff. Which is why they put a woman on the space shuttle now. We know that. But um, there's so many reasons not to get married. So I think, actually, if Jane Austen were alive today writing Pride and Prejudice, she wouldn't be trying to marry off the five sisters. She'd be mar- trying to marry off her five rather sad sons. <laughs> well, tell me, um, given the that you've got puberty blues, you've got after the blues now, mm-hmm. I, what about us ladies that would like to know what happens when they the girls from the Shire 
decide to have children if that's what they do. Oh, right. Well, no one prepares you for that. No. <laughs> we didn't read the small print of our marriage contracts. Um, and there was I always thought there was so much emphasis on when you're pregnant on what to eat and what stretching classes to do. and, and But nobody talked to you about what comes straight after. And it, it's absolutely horrifying, <laughs> the lack of sleep. I mean, sleep deprivation is a, is a torture in some of the more oppressive regimes in the world because it, it works. But worse than the sleep deprivation is the sex deprivation too <laughs> <laughs> because every time you go to make love, the baby wakes up or the toddler toddles in. Although I was in Manchester on book tour once and a woman there gave me a fantastic sex tip for new parents, Vaseline on the doorknobs. It sounds painful, but they can't get in. Isn't that brilliant? Yeah, I know. Why aren't they teaching that at the birth classes? Well, I think we'll have to uh, spread that around. Everyone feel free to. That's that's our new meme. We're going to put that out on Kindling. Great. <laughs> we'll just attribute it to you, though, Kathy, if that's all right. <laughs> you're the honoured. Yeah. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, it's a pleasure. But I would say one thing before I go on the sex issue. Does a new mother really want to have sex? I think a new mother's favourite position is the doggy position, where he begs and you just roll over and play dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's Kathy Lett, author, comedian, mum of two, and her book, After the Blues, is out now. Hi, we're the Beanies. Get your child off screens and into their imagination as we explore how bubbles are made... What's in a sneeze? Achoo! And what's with the weather today? Professor Know-It-All knows. Hello, beanies. Hello. The The Beanies. A podcast just for kids. Subscribe now on iTunes or listen anytime on the Kindling app.